You're listening to a special edition of the Comics Pals. Uh, we are, Marco and I have joined up here to do an interview with the creators behind a book that uh, both of us really enjoyed. Um, we are here with the creators of Broken Bear, Frankie White, and Adam Markowitz. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks for having us. Uh, uh, yeah, I didn't know it was a special edition. That's, uh... yeah. I feel special. <laughs> well, yes, it's a special book. Uh, you guys are special creators, so we took time outside of when we would normally record the podcast to do this. Uh, for anyone who is unfamiliar, the Comics Pals is a podcast where we get together uh, five, you know, lifelong fans to talk about everything comics, films, all that type of jazz. If you want to find us on the internet, you can do so by looking up the Comics Pals. We are on all podcast hosting networks. Wherever your social media is sold, if you type in the Comics Pals, you will find our faces. And if you want to write into us to talk about Broken Bear or to talk about anything else that you're into, you can get us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. Don't forget to hit those like, subscribe, comment, share buttons, all that good stuff. You guys know how to internet. It's free to do, and it helps us out a lot more than it costs you. So, Frankie and Adam, I'm really excited to talk Broken Bear. First things first. I want to get to know your origins a little bit because although the book is really good and it it tells me that you guys are talented and have been around the block, I've not heard from you guys yet. So I'd love to know how you guys both got into the business and how Broken Bear came about. Um, so for me, I I grew up as a big you know DC Comics fan, um, but I didn't really like read actual comic books very much. I got a, you know the occasional one at like the grocery store or anything like that, um, but wasn't like an avid follower. Um, it wasn't until DC rebooted with the New Fifty Two that I was like, oh, I can finally jump on, and start reading, and I fell in love with Scott Snyder's Batman and Scott Snyder's American Vampire at Vertigo. And that hooked me. And then I was pulling them weekly and or monthly and immediately was like, well, I, I want to do this. I want to try this. And really, it's just doing the legwork at that point, doing small comics here and there. Awesome. That, that, that's actually around the same time that I, I started picking up uh, weekly as well. I, I was uh, late late to enter the game on, on comics as well. So awesome to hear that. It was a good time. That was like, I feel like that's when I, a lot of people are hopping on, which is great. I mean, the more people reading comics, the better. It's probably my favorite medium next to film. One of the two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I, I agree that that was a really special time. And uh, it's funny because I think around that time, I feel like a lot of people in my life started to have more of an interest in comics who had maybe never really shown it before so that's kind of interesting uh what about you adam uh well um my my first love is really movies uh and that being said a huge movie for me was the 1989 tim burton batman uh just a movie i was i was eight when that came out and i was obsessed with it and uh Right after that, they had the early 90s Flash TV show. <laughs> yeah, a great one. You know, you know, so I had seen Batman and I tried reading some Batman comics, but they didn't really appeal to me. And then uh, I watched The Flash and I really liked that show. And I started reading some Flash comics and I liked those a little bit more. And then um, one day my dad came home with he'd gone to the store and he picked up 
some some comics and he, he hands me a Spider-Man comic and I go, I, there's no TV show based on this. I don't care. <laughs> and and uh, but my brother actually read it and then was like, you know, this is good. You should read it. And then I read it. And from that point, it was like right in that moment. I was like, I love this and this is what I'm going to do with my life. That's that's awesome. Um, I, I love I love the, the different ways that people become inspired to do this. It's always I always find it fascinating. Um, how did you guys meet up and, and come together to do Broken Bear? Uh, I posted a basically like an open call on Twitter looking for artists because up to that point, I had worked on a web comic called Wolf on Vacation and then also just some small short comics here and there. And I was looking to start a new project, which ended up being Broken Bear. Um, and this guy on Twitter, I don't know if you follow him or anything. His name's Josh Cruz. He's like the greatest comics cheerleader on Twitter, basically. <laughs> like he is the nicest guy and he's always promoting positivity and everything. He actually showed Adam my tweet and spun from there. Yeah. And I, you know, for me, it was actually the, the appeal of that was it was a fantasy book and I've never done fantasy and I'm also not really a fan of fantasy. So I'm like, hey, this could be a nice challenge. Yeah. Did you find when you were working on the book that it was the challenge that you thought it would be? Not really. <laughs> not in that way. Not in not in like because really when you get down to it, no matter what genre you're doing you're you're approaching it the same way you're you know it's just about telling the story so in in terms of uh design work and stuff like that it was a little more intensive than anything i'd done before because most stuff i'd done before was set in in kind of modern times real world stuff and so this you know i had to actually create you know the the settings and the characters and you know pretty much from scratch but um although you know what was good is frankie had a lot of say in that and uh, a lot of ideas and, and, but, um, yeah, a lot, a lot. And, you know, we just send like roadkill pictures and, <laughs> you know, decayed like reptiles and stuff, you know, just the normal things you send to collaborate. Right. Sometimes it's just easier to find, you know, the image that works than try to explain it with words. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Frankie, what was important to you as far as finding someone who you could, uh, work with who could tell this story visually? What were the things that you were really looking for to find in a collaborator for this? This. Well, so the number one thing, and I mean, this we kind of had from the very beginning was I, I wanted to do it in black and white. I wanted it to be a throwback kind of indie fantasy book that you would see like on, you know, in the seventies basically. And I mean, Adam's line work is beautiful it's perfect as black and white and so that right away once he like once i had seen some of his drawings i was like all right we're good like i don't need to look at anybody else basically like let's go we can do this that's awesome and and adam is there anything other than the fact that it was fantasy that drew you to want to tell this story and be involved in this project well i, I liked the uh the premise I, I you know just that that first um you know, I guess I guess if anyone's listening to this, they probably read the book or, or, you know, it's pretty early on anyway. But when Selm kills uh, Bear and, uh, you know, just it was it was to me such an interesting like because you think, you know, here's this big, interesting looking guy and then he's dead after a few pages. And, and um, I thought, OK, that's an interesting way to go with it. And I don't know, a lot of a lot of it was just to me, it was like, OK, visually, this could this could be a lot of fun. Um, I I. I think I got more into it as a story as it 
as as we turn it into something bigger just because at the, you know at the very beginning it was just it was a 11 page short so i liked the short and i knew that frankie had ideas for other stuff moving forward but we were not working on a graphic novel at that time okay yeah i think one of the thing that that appealed to me the most as a reader um was that 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 it hooks you quickly right it doesn't take but you know 10, 10 less less than 15 pages for you to kind of see oh wow this is not what you expected you know and um i think a lot of comics you know they take their time getting where they're trying to go and sometimes you can lose people that way but this book really sort of thrusts you into the midst of something that is subversive and that's a great way to, to hook someone um, and you benefit from the fact that this is a graphic novel in the sense that if you pick it up, you kind of ha- you have the whole thing. Yeah, that that was um, that beginning was definitely something that from from the very start, like that, like Adam had said, it originally was just an eleven page short, and the idea was kind of like we'll pick and choose what parts of the story we'll tell. It doesn't have to be a graphic novel; it can be a series of shorts. You know, some would be maybe even a panel. You know, if it's like a you know Sunday strip kind of style stuff like that. But that idea of killing Bear quickly, basically, was always there. It was He was never, even though he's on the cover and his name is technically like right there in the title, it's it's not his story and it's not supposed to be. Right. And and uh, and to that, actually, it, it it's it's really impactful the way that, you know, I read like when when Selm does kill Bear, it. it to, to exactly what you said, you know, it, it feels like that moment is really just captured very like exquisitely, right? It's really captured well. There's a lot of energy there. Um, but the way you guys sort of formatted it into and even expanded upon it, it, d- it didn't feel like I, I'm surprised to, to hear that it was originally an 11 page short because it still felt like seamlessly integrated into the larger story. Yeah, we got uh, kind of lucky that it that we ended up doing a graphic novel. We originally we had signed up with a different publisher and it was going to be in like a three issue mini series. And as a mini series, I don't know if it would have worked as well. It would have been like the first two chapters, you know, were uh, so it was weird. It was weird page counts too. Cause the first issue was going to be like 40 pages. And then the second issue would be, was going to be 20 or something like that. Yeah. Cause it would have had to have been like the first two chapters, which are shorts essentially that we worked on. And then the whole first issue, which is essentially like the third chapter yeah, so that wouldn't have worked. So luckily, it ended up working out as a graphic novel way better than if it, if it had been a miniseries or whatever. It might have not had that impact that you guys are talking about because you'd be like, well, this kind of ends in a weird spot. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, go ahead, Marco. And, sorry, and, and and going back to to that moment, actually, um, something we we that we always find it. And, and I know Sean, you've had this experience um, with, with other books and we had interviewed Tyler Crick at some point where he, you know, he sort of says the, the way you control the page um, with color and with uh, being able to sort of just like flip into that next moment. Uh, Adam can, I, I really want to stick on that moment of, of bear dying because it, it's uh, again, it just like, it's a huge moment uh, for a relatively short character or a character has been introduced relatively recently um, what was sort of like the idea behind bringing that energy and, and bringing that moment to life? Uh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, 
I don't dissect my work like this. I don't. Uh, I mean, the the thought behind it is it's a it's a big moment, you know. It, just in terms of storytelling, you know, it's a, a important moment for for you know not just the story but the the characters. This is a, a you know one of those things that like um, it needs to have something there to you know really kind of drive it home. And uh, but I don't know. I I. Uh, I don't really think a lot (laughs) like I think about, I think about more design and and stuff like that, but uh, storytelling, um, this is going to sound really pretentious, but storytelling is a bit more (laughs) intuitive for me. It's, it's, you know, that's sort of the thing I have the easiest time with. That's I've never really struggled with, with that side of it. So, you know, for me, it's more about like design and, and uh, shading and, you know, just the basic kind of those other, the more technical parts of the things where I spend more of my, my, you know, I do more thinking about. Um, so just, you know, I, I guess I would say in terms of storytelling, I just knew that, you know, this is an important moment. It needs to, you know, pop. Can, can you say a little more on, on the design aspect? Like what, what do you mean specifically? Uh, just like page layouts, mm. um, you know, panel, uh, panel placement, stuff like that. And, and, um, uh, since I also did the lettering, um, you know, where that would fit in and, and, you know, working that way and, uh, <clears throat> you know, framing things like that. Mm, okay. Did, did you find it beneficial and do you regularly do the lettering in your own books? I, I prefer to do lettering if I can. I don't consider myself a great letterer. I think I'm a very competent letterer. I know how to place it. So it reads well. Um, I, I like doing it just because if, if I realize, um, oh, this panel, I didn't really leave enough room for the lettering, I can just change it and it's not an issue. Um, I've done very little work where somebody else has lettered it. Most of my work has either been uh, self-published or the other project that it was The Great Divide for Dynamite, and I did the lettering on that too. Okay. Uh, so first of all, I wanted to make mention of the fact that this book is I, I mean as of this publishing it's out at least on we said amazon right yeah, yeah. amazon and comiXology comiXology has it as well so if you guys want to you know download it and get right into it you can do that right now and then i believe you said on the 25th it'll be in stores right awesome yep. so just want to make sure you guys know that i highly recommend uh that you pick up this book because it's different and i think at least in my mind, you know, when I go to the shop, I don't see as much fantasy as I would like to. Um, maybe there's a little bit of a resurgence now, but um, especially fantasy that kind of subverts your expectations and does things a little differently. Um, there's not a ton of that out there. So, you know, support something different. And especially it's if you have that uh, itch, this book can scratch it. So highly recommend it. Um, so. Frankie, I I wanted to ask what inspired you to want to tell this story? Because I've meant I've made mention of the fact a few times that it does subvert expectations and do things a little differently. And not just with Selm and uh, ending up as the main character, but with the choices that she makes throughout the entire book and some of the characters that she runs into who, you know, aren't what you think they, they are necessarily. There were a lot of moments like that. So what what was important to, for you uh, telling this story and what brought it, what brought it about? Um, so 
it's probably going to sound a little presumptuous, but I, I think it was in like one of my very first emails to Adam. I told him, I was like, I want this to be like my Hellboy. Like Mike Vignola has told this massive story that has gone on for decades and he's been able to focus on a single character and create a world around them that is so in depth and so much more than like just a standard, you know, five issue miniseries. And that's what I wanted this to be. And I knew just from the start to do it, I had to put my character through their paces basically. So it's, it's the, it's the idea basically at the core of the story that can you start with a character that does something that is, you know, obviously terrible, a horrible thing that she did. And you can kind of understand the reasoning behind it, but can she get redemption? Does she even want redemption? And then just following that storyline, just seeing where it goes. And so the idea is now basically with this first volume, kind of putting her through her paces in a small sense as she's introduced to an entirely new world and then going further, really sort of putting her in the crucible, so to speak. I really enjoyed those things, those elements of the story, because um, it, it was interesting to root for a character who I didn't necessarily like. I didn't like that Selm, you know, made the choice to kill someone who, uh, you know, had been good to her. And I mean, I didn't like it from the perspective of it made me feel negatively towards that character. I think it was a really smart choice on your part. Um, and, And the fact that there is heroism in her, even though she did this awful thing. But then what really flipped me and baked my noodle was the fact that at the end, she makes another choice that's kind of like questionable you know then that makes Mm. you think about who is this character really and what it did for me was it made me think i want to see more of her Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i had the exact same moment glad it had that effect because i had a lot of back and forth with my editor about that ending (laughs) he didn't want me to do it because he's like she's already unlikable enough (laughs) i was like no she's got to do it because the whole the whole thing for me at least for some specifically is that i wanted her to be realistic you know this the trope in fantasy is the white knight you know paladin type who is always doing good and doing their best and i wanted her to be realistic she's she's a character who is in horrifying circumstances constantly and in real life people are not always going to make the heroic choice they're going to do what's in their best interest and to be fair to some at the end of the book even though that portion of her story is over. She still has more she needs to do. She feels she needs to correct some of the mistakes she's already made. And unfortunately, the only way to do that is to make another terrible choice, basically. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think I think it works out really strongly. Um, have you thought a lot about what you might want to do beyond this story and with, with this world and, and these characters, do you have those ideas? Yes. So, well, we're, well, I'm already scripting the next volume. Uh, I have no idea when it's actually going to be done. Cause I'm hoping it'll be like double the size of the first volume. Um, but overall I, I have, I have her, the main beats of her story mapped out and, you know, Fingers crossed I get to do everything I want to do. It's her whole life for the most part. Like you're going to see old, old, old lady Selm, you know, like old man Logan. You're going to get, she's going to get older and have to live a full life basically. Her story doesn't end 
her story doesn't end, you know, once she's, you know, beaten the one bad guy. Adam, is, is the story of, of Selm and, and Broken Bear something that you feel uh, connected to enough to continue on with the project beyond just this one uh, story? Well, I, I mean, I'm a co-creator at this point, so awesome. yeah, awesome. I'm, 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 I, yeah. I mean, that's just that you know. To me, it's like I. That's how I, you know, I, I um, I don't, I don't like have any great interest in in working like Marvel or DC. I'm not a big like work for hire. Like I'll do it because I, you know, I live in a capitalist society. But I, I um, <laughs> you know, the 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 goal for me is like I really just I, you know. I want to work with people like, like Frank and I want to work with, you know, I want to write stuff myself and I want to create, you know, I want to do original stories and, and, you know, so I'm, but you know, there's also that thing when you've been with characters for that length of time, you know, drawing them every day for months, um, you get sort of attached to them. You know, they start to sort of become real people to you in a weird way. Yeah, and that's that's something that I've heard a lot from creators in general is just, you know, the attachment. And it's it's awesome to hear that you both feel that attachment because I really am hopeful for more Broken Bear. So are we. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, I hope the answer is going to be yes when, he, when the answer is like, nah, I'm done drawing it. I don't want to do it. <laughs> well, uh, okay, that's been the podcast. I'll see you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of you know, not necessarily having a great ambition for uh, work for hire. The industry is in a really interesting place because now I think more than ever, it's easy to, I shouldn't say easy, but it's more possible than ever to have a healthy career in comics and never touch Marvel or DC Um, through, you know, different publishers that are out now. There are so many more different ways to get your book out there. Uh, into the hands of the people. What do you guys feel about the state of the industry right now from that perspective, from the perspective of someone who is, you know, not at the big two? Well, right now I'm doing work for hire for a company that's not big two. So I feel pretty good about it. Awesome. (laughs) I I love it. I mean, for me, it's the, you know, right now we're at a point where it's like the only thing that's stopping people from telling their story is, putting in the time and uh, also the money too. making comics isn't cheap. And I don't want people to think that it's an affordable thing. It can be expensive, but like, that's really the, the beauty of it now is that as long as you have that passion and drive, you know, whether it's through an indie publisher or you're kickstarting things, or, you know, you're raising the money yourself and doing it on your own, you know, there's so many ways to get your book out there and there's so many cons now that it's like you can constantly be out there if you want to be out there and, you know, interacting with the fans and pushing your work and making yourself known. And and to that effect, uh, I recently came from SPX and that is pretty much exactly what you guys are talking about with respect to, you know, uh, from the the bootstraps, you know, you guys are, are, are going in there, dropping the these indie books, these books that are that are slowly trying to make uh, and push the boundaries. Um, and I think that this is exactly one of those kinds of books that is continually to try to push the comics medium because as much as you can do that in, in Marvel or DC, you know, you have editorial over you, but uh, uh, to even the story elements in the B tier, right, where you can kind of have Selm be an unlikable character and uh, you can do really wacky things with, with the art. Um, it's really reassuring to to hear that from your perspective, you guys feel positive about the industry in large. 
I, I, I feel like that's we're got, we're, we've gotten to a point where big two don't really, it's not big two really. Mm. Like they're not really the comic book industry anymore in a weird way. Like the, I, they're, they're the only two companies with corporate backers. Sure. Okay. You know, yeah. so like, I feel like if your love is to make comic books and, and uh, you know, this is, this is going to sound bad because it's going to basically be like, if you really love comic books, you're not going to work for DC. <laughs> but, but you know, I think, I think there obviously there are people that love comics and love doing work for DC or Marvel and, and that's fine. But I, I think, you know, if your ultimate goal is to, um, just make comics uh, and not make comics for other people. Uh, it's th- that's the rest of the industry. That's, you know, all the other publishers are, are out there. So you can just tell whatever stories Marvel and DC you're, you're, you're not, you know, even if you're telling a story, you know, you've come up with this story for Batman, it's still Batman. It's still somebody else's thing. So it's I don't know I don't know if this was a big ramble I don't know if any of that made sense no no it, it, it's sort of like the you're basically managing the IP at that point right yeah yeah you're you're I mean you're you know I've heard people talk about like your custodians of the mythology that kind of, but I mean that's that's really what it is you're you know you're not um you find your creativity within there but I I you know I feel like it's um I can't think of a good analogy that's, that's <laughs> bugging me right now I can't think of a good analogy for what I'm trying to say but you're working with DC and Marvel, I think, if you you care about those characters. I mean, and also, it, truly, if you want a consistent paycheck as well. I mean, that's the other aspect of it. Mm. Um, you have different pressures involved with that, though. I mean, you, yeah. you know, you, you fan pressures and, and then, um, you know, I know there's stuff that you can and can't do, uh, you know, based on the fact that they're, you know, both both are owned by mega corporations. Right. Absolutely. There's definitely a lot of red tape there. Um, the, I guess in my mind, the one big thing that does help is the fact that, and, and we've seen this probably more over the last 15 years um, than than ever before, maybe, is working for the big two the, is the exposure. You know, you look at uh, someone mm. like Rick Remender, um, his career as a creator owned really blew up when he decided to, you know, leave Marvel and bet on himself. And the choices that those creators have made, like Robert Kirkman and Remender and so many others, Brubaker, to do that, I think has changed the industry in a way that favors um, individuals like yourselves who can who can do this now because more eyes are open to the world beyond Marvel and DC. And I can speak for myself and say that when my favorite creators said you know, okay, yeah, if you liked my Marvel stuff, come check out what I'm doing over at Image, I followed. Yeah, I definitely think that's more true now more than ever is that fans, comic book people are following creators, not characters. You know, in the, in the past, you know, you read Batman because you liked Batman and it didn't really, you know, it mattered who was on it, but you were getting Batman because it was Batman. Now you're seeing people follow creators. I, I've done the same thing with Reminder and with Scott Snyder and everything like that. But there's also kind of like a weird sort of boomerang aspect to it where it's like all those creators, for the most part, they start doing indie projects and then they get a little bit of notoriety, which gets them into the big two. And then they can use that platform essentially to build a fan base that's even bigger and then say, all right, see you later. I'm going back to creator owned and, and take that with them. So you sort of have to like 
play the game a little bit, but I think now more than ever, you don't, if you don't want to, you don't have to be in, in that. Yeah. And, and, you know, we talk to creators all the time who, you know, make very similar points about the state of the industry and, um, it's inspiring the fact that it is so healthy in that regard. You know, um, on, on this podcast, we talk a lot about the dollars and cents of, you know, where indie publishers are and, and, and where the money goes in comics. But, you know, we read this and you guys create it for the love and the passion. And um, you hope that that pays the bills, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, you know, to be to be frank, uh, I would say that you it's are definitely, frank. <laughs> <laughs> it's more it's more definitely for the love of the book than, you know, making money, especially when, you know, at least for me, this is my first graphic novel, you know, long form sort of story that's ever been finished. So I don't really have, you know, a, a following or anything like that, um, you know, to any extent. Um, so it's really more about getting this book out there because I had to tell the story. And really, I just hope people like it. I'm not able to like go put a down payment on a house because this book came out or anything. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> maybe, maybe after this interview goes out. Though. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah. So again, you guys at home, if you want to check out Broken Bear. It's out right now. Uh, Amazon Comixology. Go check it out. After the 25th of September, you can find it in, you know, wherever you buy your comics. It'll be there. Um, and I want to reiterate that it is it is worth your time. Um, absolutely. So I, I want to ask you guys, what what books do you read these days? I'm really curious. Um, so my, my big... Uh... I've, I've talked about Batman. People pull Batman because it's Batman. I'm one of those people. I pull Batman. At, at, you know, it's killing me that they they switch to bi-monthly. It's too many Batman issues. I don't have time to read them. Um, right. That, I love Miss Marvel. I love Superior Spider-Man, if we're talking about the big twos right now. Um, but outside of that, Terry Moore, huge Ooh. inspiration for yep, me. Yep. Um, so, you know, obviously five years has been going on. I've been getting that. Um, and the Black Hammer universe, that to me is like peak comics storytelling right now. If anybody hasn't read Black Hammer, they need to get on that. So someone who is also on this podcast, uh, his name is Kale. He's very into that world and he, he sings the praises all the time on this show. And I've wanted to jump in as well, but I just don't know where. Uh, it's great. I mean, the good thing about it is right now, I mean, there's still a ton of issues, but you can start with Black Hammer Volume 1, and then they build these little mini series tangents that kind of fill in the world with like side characters that you're only like hearing about or maybe seeing for a panel. And then, you know, that you go from there. Everything's in collected mini series, though, basically. So it's really easy to hop on board and read it. It's brilliant. It's a brilliant like setup to sell the comics. Yeah, they're like, uh, it's basically like just collected arcs, essentially, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Black Hammer, the, they have like two Black Hammers now. It's like the first set was like 13 issues, and then there's like a series of like four or five issue miniseries that go around it, and now they're on like the second volume of it, which is like another 13 issue arc, I think. Oh, okay. What about you, Adam? What are you, what are you reading? Um, well... I will say I don't read anything from the big two and it's not um, it's not like oh, I have something against them. It's that every time I try to I I, I had a period when I was a, a teenager, I, I wouldn't read um, I didn't read comic books. I, I lost interest in comics and I wanted to be a filmmaker. Uh, and 
when I tried to get back into comics, I, I had trouble with superhero stuff. And what finally got me reading comics again was uh, Hellboy, uh, Sin City, and Love and Rockets. Oh. Um, and every once in a while, I'll try to read like Spider-Man. Because Spider-Man was really, you know, the old Sp- Spider-Man comics I was getting as a kid. That's really what made me want to do comics. And every once in a while, I would pick up something new with Spider-Man and I try to read it and I just go, I have no idea what's going on anymore. <laughs> and, and I, every time I try to, you know, somebody will be making a, a huge deal out of something with, you know, whatever, like there's the house of X and all that right now. And I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm like, you know, everyone's making a huge deal and I know I'm going to go try and read it. And I'm not going to have any idea what's going on. Um, so unfortunately I, I tend not to really read uh, new superhero. I actually read a lot of old superhero stuff. I, I um, recently reread the Frank Miller run on daredevil. Uh, Walt Simonson's run on Thor, stuff like that. I, I you know, the, the, that kind of classic stuff um, of recent stuff. Um, anything Howard Chaikin does, I'll pick up. Um, Murder Falcon was amazing. Oh yeah, it was. That, that yeah, I'm telling that to people who don't even read comics. I'm like, you've got to check out Murder <laughs> Falcon. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought that was just really outstanding. Um. I mean, I have a problem where I'll read the first couple issues of something and then I'll get distracted by other things. But like I read the first couple issues of Blackbird. I really liked that. Um, Man Eaters, I thought was pretty good. I, I will say on uh, on House of X, um, if you were to be confused, you wouldn't be alone because everyone who's picked up <laughs> that book is confused. Um, OK, well, maybe I'll give it a shot yeah. then. I think I think you know in the in the stylings of Jonathan Hickman, it's meant to confuse you in the beginning as he puts the pieces together. But um, yeah, I, uh, I I'm I'm really I'm really glad that you guys are even finding the time to read because so many times I ask that question and creators are like, I don't know, man, I have a a pile of to read that's a mile long and I can't even look at it. Oh yeah, I have that oh, too. It's a- it's a backlog for sure. <laughs> I'm like four issues behind on everything, basically. But those are the books that I'm technically reading. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, I think we're going to close out here. Um, really great time talking to you guys. So thank you so much for granting us your time. Um, I do want to give you the opportunity to let the people know where they can find you on social media, your websites, and whatever you want to let them know about. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at Frankie underscore white. And that's spelled like the color. Frankie has two E's on the end. Um, I'm also running a Kickstarter right now for a new comic I'm working on called 20 fists. That's like a queer Romeo and Juliet meets the warriors. So it's about Ooh. a nasty romance Ooh. and fist fights with amazing artwork. Yeah. Kat Bauman's the artist on that. She is killing it. It's nuts how good she is. Um, you can find a link to that on my Twitter, though, so or just search it on Kickstarter. We'll we'll also include a link to that um, in our description. So if you want to go straight to it, just click the description and you'll find it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. It's at uh, admancomics.com. That's also my Instagram, which I unfortunately am mostly updating with pictures of my dog lately. I, I like to post artwork, but I can't post any of the stuff I'm working on currently, so... Um, but when I can, (laughs) that's what that's there for, but uh, Instagram is also Adman comics. Cool. Uh, as for us again, we are the comics pals all over the place. You guys know how to find us. 
uh, just at the Comics Pals, wherever it is that you want to, you know, interact with us, and we will interact with you back. So, again, thank you so much, Adam and Frankie, for joining us, uh, the creators of Broken Bear. Go pick it up in stores September 25th. It's fantastic. Very much worth your time. Thank you again for joining us, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thank Thank you. you.